0: Long ago, our senior pastor Emily Wright had some of us on staff on a Zoom call. And one of Emily's gifts, and something I have really enjoyed during virtual meetings, is that she finds a way to help connect us, she finds a way to help us enjoy one another, even if we can't be in the same room. And this particular day, with a kind of mischievous smile on her face, she said, now, what I want you all to do is to share one guilty pleasure that you've had during COVID. One guilty pleasure. Now, don't get too excited. We're still a church staff, okay? But, but we began to share, and we had some fun. And I decided that during this sharing, I would kind of admit an obsession That has kind of taken over my life during COVID. I decided that I would admit my obsession about some reality TV shows. Now, not just any reality TV shows, these are reality TV shows about zoos. Now, when I say that I'm obsessed with these, I am not kidding. It started innocently on National Geographic when I found this show about the Columbus Zoo called The Secrets of the Zoo and then that led to me paying for Discovery Plus so I could find those other zoo shows and soon it was the Tampa Zoo and after the Tampa Zoo it was the Cincinnati Zoo and then one of my favorites the Sydney Zoo, Secrets of the Zoo Down Under and then finally at this point I'm still watching the Bronx zoo now i want you to know these shows have multiple seasons and in each season there are multiple shows and that day with the staff i admitted that almost every night my husband al and i watch 30 to 40 minutes of one of these shows right before we go to bed and i admitted to them that instead of saying hey are you ready for bed we've started saying are you ready to go to the zoo I admit, I actually admitted to them that Alan and I are thinking about vacations now, planning vacations to go see some of these zoos. Now, like you, my friends on staff really thought this was funny. They got a good laugh. I think they needed a good laugh, but I think the idea of two grown adults using zoo reality shows to relax before bed just kind of gave them the giggles. And later that day, as often happens, I began to think about it. I actually thought about it for the first time. Why? Why had Al and I traded the evening news or the Tonight Show for reality shows about world-class zoos? What's going on? And that's when it dawned on me. It wasn't because of the cute and interesting animals, though there were plenty of those. And it wasn't because of a great storyline or plot, though I will tell you every episode has at least five really good storylines in it. No, we fell into this routine. We were attracted to these shows because of the keepers. The keepers who watch over and protect the animals. The keepers who care for babies when their mamas won't. Who care for herd animals when they don't have a herd who care for birds who can't fly and otters who can't swim and, yes, kangaroos that can't hop, who care for species that are endangered or almost extinct. The bottom line these zoo shows are stories of hope, hope for individual animals, hope for whole species, maybe even hope for our world. So every night before sleep, (laughs) we escape into a world where animal keepers keep hope alive for animals that wouldn't stand a chance often in the wild. Hope. Who among us couldn't use a dose of hope each night, right? Hope that isn't an intellectual exercise, but hope that lives, that breathes, that acts. Hope that is hands-on, living hope. Living hope is one of the gifts of our faith, and it's going to be the focus of our worship and sermons for the next few months. So let's begin. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we come to you as always in need of your presence and power. And this day we come aware of the need for hope. So speak to us once again through your word and teach us of hope that lives and acts. Amen. Hear these words from the letter of 1 Peter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven, for you, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you've had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more precious, more precious than gold, that through perishable is tested by fire and may be found to be. Uh, In result, in praise and glory and honor where Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. This is the word of the Lord. I want to show you now little Kyler the snow leopard, hopefully she'll come up in a minute. She was born in the Bronx Zoo in 2017. She was fat, she was happy, she was absolutely adorable. There she is. But after her birth, the keepers noticed right away that something was wrong. Something was wrong with her little hind legs. She couldn't walk, she couldn't crawl, her little legs, Kind of splayed out behind her. She looked a little bit like an otter trying to get around. It was very, very weird. And in the wild, a cub born like this is born with a death sentence. Such a cub would be abandoned by its mom, it would become food for scavengers. But don't be fooled, my friends. Kyber was born not in the wild, but in the Bronx Zoo. And Khyber had keepers and wasn't left to the natural world of survival of the fittest. For Khyber, there is hope. The author of 1 Peter looked out at the world of his day. He saw the illness. He saw the poverty. He saw the injustice. And he looked at the situation of the little fledgling brand new church with all odds stacked against it with persecution and misunderstanding swirling around it. He looked at what he called the trials and the distress of life. And then he boldly proclaims, don't be fooled. Because we have been born again in the resurrection of Christ. We live, he says, in a different world because of the resurrection of Christ. And because Christ lives, there is living hope. He writes, on account of God's vast mercy, we have been given new birth. You are born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It sounds good, right? New birth from God's mercy, living hope through the resurrection of Christ. But the truth is our lives can get so messed up and our souls so weighed down. And there is this virus thing (laughs) still attacking us, waiting around the corner. There are divisions that affect us. There's sin and hatred that surround us. And they seem, even on a bright Sunday morning, they seem powerful and they seem strong. Yet the author of 1 Peter stands against all of that and says, don't be Because Christ has risen, and because of that, hope exists. Well, you know, little Kyber's keepers came up with a plan, right? To make sure that the mama leopard didn't reject her cub, they literally snuck it out of the den for five hours a day. And during those five (laughs) hours, Kyber got the best physical therapy from the best orthopedists in the city of New York, right? They made little bitty harnesses for Kyber so she could practice her walking. They made little bitty braces for Kyber's legs so that they could strengthen. And over and over, day after day, for weeks, they snuck Kyber in and out and did this work on her legs. They had no idea if it would work. It had never been done before, but they had to try. It was hands-on hope. Hope that worked toward a better life for Kyber. Real-life hope. Working to make something good happen for her. Living hope. And it made all the difference. Because you know I wouldn't be telling you this story. It wouldn't have made the show. Except that she began to develop like a normal cub. And she was never rejected by her mom. And you can go see them, I'm told, today side by side in an enclosure in the Bronx Zoo. The offer of First Peter reminds us that that's how Easter works in our lives. You see, the resurrection isn't just a one-day event. A historical marker that we put down every spring to remember a God who once cared about us a God who once helped us, a God who once came into our world to bring hope. No, says First Peter, the resurrection is never past tense. It is something that lives. It is something available today. It's even available on the Sunday after Easter when there's no brass, Emily, and there are no beautiful lilies, and we have half the people. It's still available, always available, the power of the protection, the hands-on, real hope, living hope that makes a difference. It is ours, 1 Peter says, as an inheritance, an inheritance that we can enjoy, and even more importantly, (laughs) that we can pass on, always. The great American mystic Thomas Merton put it this way, Christ is risen, and this is an everyday event. It liberates something in us, a power that we didn't know we had, a hope, a capacity for life, a resilience, an ability to bounce back when we thought we were completely defeated, a capacity to grow and change, a power to create and transform powerful living hope, living hope that comes out of death, living hope that comes out of the depths. This is beautifully, beautifully spoken of in the beloved 130th Psalm, in a poem that begins this way, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. This is a person of faith in the depths who's come to the end of her own ability, her own happy, positive thoughts. There's no denial here, only an honest and pure cry from the person of faith. And then we witness three miraculous things in this beautiful psalm. First, that the psalmist knows who to cry to. The song is addressed to the proper party, to the one who can truly make a difference, to the one who is the source of hope. And secondly, the psalmist remembers God's character, remembers God's character and God's activity in the past. Even in the middle of whatever is going on, this person of faith remembers that steadfast love of God that you heard Tate talk about a few minutes ago. And God's character, it's like a rock that this psalmist clings to. It becomes part of the cry of the faithful one who waits for help, who can't find help on their own. A little bit later in the psalm, the psalmist describes what it means to wait upon the Lord. In verse 5 and 6, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. In ancient times, night watchmen would sit facing the eastern sky. You can't blame them, right? They were straining for signs of the dawn, signs that the long night would come to a close. These watchmen knew that the dawn would come, right? It happens every morning, but... But in the long hours of sleepless night, when animals prowl and when enemies can be imagined in the gloom, the first hint of light always lightens the spirit as well. And so the psalmist writes, I will wait and I will watch. I will scan the horizon for God's intervention, God's activity, God's help for hope. And in this waiting, in this In this knowing God, hope is born. Real hope. Living hope. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. Living hope. Friends, we don't manufacture hope. We we don't give it to each other. We can't store it from one moment to the next or transfer it from one situation to another. Hope is literally born by the grace of God. It's born in unlikely places. It's born where there seems to be little room for its brightness, and it comes as a precious gift from God. When there's absolutely nothing left for us to do, out of nothing, always on time, God's life-giving hope arrives. This hope Friends, this hope, 1 Peter celebrates, it makes all the difference. It is a precious gift. It is an inheritance. It is for those who wait upon the Lord. You know those reality zoo shows? (laughs) They're a beautiful escape. I'm not going to stop watching them. (laughs) They're a utopic world, really, where the animals have no idea no idea of the power, the protection, the thoughtfulness, the tears, the love of their keepers. They haven't a clue. And their keepers, their keepers make hope rise each day. Hands-on living hope, hope that doesn't give up, hope that keeps working for good. Well, this morning, Seven days after the church's celebration of Easter, let me remind you, we wake up in a world like that every day. Every day. A world where Christ lives in us, where Christ lives among us. A world that calls for hands-on hope to come from us who know Christ. A world that beckons us, just beckons us to never give in and to continue continue to work for good. A world that needs, needs our inheritance, living hope. That is our inheritance, my friends, living hope. Remember that, not dead hope, not theoretical hope, not possible hope but hands-on, real-life hope that comes from Christ, who is not dead, who is not theoretical, who is not just possible, but is risen. Alleluia. Amen.